receive Naomi, his daughter-in-law. Page number seven in your outline. I want to praise the Lord this morning for Miss Harris Curtis and Brother John and Sonia because I told them how you have physically made the emphasis of the book of Ruth. You need Ruth. No matter what Ruth experiences in the first three chapters, the key is in chapter four when she is purchased by her redeemer. If you don't need to understand that, and, and no matter this day, it matters not what you experience in any religious activity or sermon. If you have missed redemption by the blood, you've missed salvation. That regardless what this story emphasizes and includes, boy, y'all just excuse me a minute. See, we know we have the end of the story. She's living redemption story by fact. We have it in actuality. Boaz purchases her in chapter 4 with money, but we've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And there is no salvation without the blood. There is no salvation without being purchased by the Redeemer. And it's more than Boaz. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. She didn't know that. She didn't know Boaz. She didn't know who Boaz was. And there's no salvation until you learn who Boaz is, until you learn who Jesus is. But we see Ruth in a foreign land. Then we see Ruth in Boaz's field. Then we see Ruth at Boaz's feet. But last, we see Ruth in Boaz's family. Glory to God. That is the last one. That's the key. Oh, you can be in a foreign land and never be redeemed. And you can be in a field and hardly live by and travel by and be bleeding and dripping redemption, ladies and gentlemen. And nothing is more any more precious in this world than knowing that Jesus Christ redeemed you, delivered you from being a foreigner and a stranger. Man, alive, that's good. Imagine old man Ruth. All right, let's look. In chapter number 1 and verse number 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. After Elimelech's family had arrived in Moab, Melion met Ruth, married her. Then Melion died and left Ruth as a widow still the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Ten years have passed. Naomi hears the call from God to come to Bethlehem to return where she was. I shared with you yesterday the little word for arose in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law. It means to stir up. That Naomi was stirred up by the call that she heard. The scripture says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law. That Naomi is not only stirred, but Ruth is stirred as a result of Naomi's stirring. Now, this is evidence of a craving. Now, if you'll notice your outline, it says Ruth is stirred up to leave her own country of Moab and go to Bethlehem. That 
root is stirred up over Naomi is root first. Now, there is an emphasis, ladies and gentlemen, on the Holy Spirit's drawing. That's right. No man can come to the Lord unless the Spirit of God draws him. Now, we know that. We believe that. And here she is stirred and moved to return or out of Moab. Now, I told you that's an unusual phrase, to return out of Moab and go into Bethlehem. But here Ruth and Orpha both are stirred and moved. I believe a person will, will never come out of Moab till he's stirred to leave Moab. But folks, I want to say something to you. Being stirred's not enough. If all you are is stirred and moved emotionally to come out of sin and sin's ruin, it's not enough. Some folks, all they have is an emotional tingle without any knowledge. I love zeal, but give me knowledge. Give me hope. They're both moved by Naomi. They both have identically the same attitude, shaken and moved, desirous, craving to leave Moab and go to Bethlehem. From which came that conviction or that stirring? It came from Naomi. And I say to you, we're craving to have the Lord and the things of God come from the Holy Ghost. So here is evidence of a craving. But as I said, it requires a lot more than just a stirring. I don't know about you. I don't know how you were before you were saved, where you were a declared sinner, religious sinner. But I was a highly religious sinner. And I got tired of being stirred and not being changed. she was, stirred and moved to leave Moab and go to Bethlehem. Now look now at number two. Ruth starts out on the way to Judah, verse 7. Therefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. Here Ruth and Orpha both are following Naomi in the path that she chooses. Now this is evidence of a change of direction. change of direction. She was in, no, in Naomi's way. The direction Naomi had chosen. Naomi was with the Lord as far as the Lord's call upon her and Ruth was with Naomi going along her in the right way and so was Orpha. Both of them start out good. This is like two individuals following the Holy Ghost going to Bethlehem. Both of them stirred both of them changed their way and in the right way. But look at verse number 3, where Ruth is stopped by Naomi. Now, here's the first chance 
weak and often have to return from the land. Verse number 8. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Now much can be said critically of Naomi in pressuring Ruth and Orpah to return to Moab. But folks, let me tell you something. Naomi could have gotten Ruth out of Moab, but Naomi needed to know whether Moab was out of Ruth. See, there's a lot of folks trying to get saved by getting out of sin when sin's never been gotten out of them. Didn't pressure anyone into a decision, but unless God cleanses him of his sins by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, he'll never be saved. And you cannot, you cannot remit and remove what hadn't been repented of. That's right. Amen. Hey, all she's doing is checking Ruth out. See what's inside of her. See, if you'd be backed out of what God brought you into, you hadn't got anything in here. Do you have a picture of the inside of you to leave? You're still going to have to make a choice. Prior to this, it was Naomi's choice. Ruth going along with Naomi. Now Naomi puts Ruth on the spot and says, Ruth, what are you going to do? That's the reason why. God doesn't save you against your will. You got to go along with it. Amen. I remember she quit believing by tithing. Oh, she's a Moabitess. Goes through a bondage in a foreign land. Doesn't know God and sure doesn't know anything about redemption. Remember when you got that? Oh, Naomi gives Ruth an opportunity to return, number one, to her own country, and number two, to her relatives. Did you hear what she said? Return to your mother's house. Now, there is a spiritual principle here, and that is when you do learn about Jesus Christ, you've got to want him more than you want anybody or anything in this world. And if you want your mother and your mother's house and your brothers and sisters or the country of Moab, the world, its pleasures and its possessions, more than you want Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. But thanks be unto God, there was something inside of Ruth that said, I'll not leave you, Naomi. I'm in the way. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll stay with you. You've got more than what I've got now. Somehow or the other, Bethlehem appeared better than Moab. She grew up in Moab. She lived in Moab. She was acquainted with the people and the possessions and the pleasures of Moab. And here, Naomi places pressure upon her. Naomi stops and says, Ruth, you're in the way. You have the craving. Now let's see the evidence of conviction. Let's see what conviction you have. See, sometimes we think conviction is just a feeling you have. Hey, conviction's more than a feeling. It's an attitude. 
It's an attitude, the craving, the godly sorrow. We call it in the New Testament is the emotion. But thanks be unto God for conviction. That's work by the Holy Ghost. So Ruth chooses to go with Naomi over against Moab and all that Moab had to offer. It's just like Rebecca's parents said to Rebecca when Eliezer had come after a wife for Isaac. They said, will you go with this one? That's like saying, will you go along with the Holy Ghost? working in you? Will you go along with the convictions he's put in your heart? Which would you rather have? Your household? Your relatives? Your brothers and sisters? The country? The world? The school of pleasure? Or had you rather go with the Holy Ghost? Ruth makes a choice, but so does Orpah. Orpah and Ruth both choose to go but they still decide to go. Now, if you'll notice the outline number four, Ruth's second opportunity to return, but so is Orpah's. Verse number 11, And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Boy, it's a good question. Why will you go along with the Holy Ghost? Why will you go along with the person who's leading you out? And Naomi said, Why will you go with me? For there is yet, is there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should say I have a husband also tonight, and should you bear sons, would you tarry for them till they be grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth prayed unto her. Now right here, Orpah says, it's too much to ask. There's too much to give up. I'll return to Moab. So Orpah kisses Naomi and returns to Moab. Now Ruth has a second opportunity to return to Moab, not to her brother's father's house, but to a prospective husband, to a Moabite husband, to her own choice and decision that she will make. But when Orpah was faced with a husband and the choice of a husband and a household and a life of her own, she said, that's too much to ask. I'm going back to Moab. Now, that would have been a good opportunity for Ruth to have returned. And Ruth has an opportunity because Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. So she's given a second opportunity to return to her people and to her gods. But the Bible said she prayed unto Naomi. Then look at number five. Ruth stays with Naomi. Now here's another chance. And it said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back with her people and her gods. Return thou after my sister-in-law. Do you know what Ruth fixing to say? I don't care if my peers, my peers go back.
back of the season, and you've asked me too much, Naomi, I'm going back to Moab. And she did. But not Ruth. Ruth says some of the greatest things in her profession that you'll ever see. Her profession of faith. All right. Now, you can't call saved and lost like Ruth Ruth because Ruth said, no, you understand that, don't you? We know that. But here is a profession of faith that's not bringing salvation. This is a declaration of faith that she has in Naomi and God and what she knows about God. She doesn't know anything about redemption yet. She doesn't know anything about Boaz yet. All she knows is what she's learned from Naomi and seen in Naomi, and she'd rather be with Naomi than she had in Moab. All right, look at it in verse 15. Behold, our sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and to her God. Return thou after my sister. Thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if all but death part thee and me. Now, boy, that's a good declaration and profession of faith. But if that's all a person has, that's easy to leave, isn't it? carefully, ladies and gentlemen. That's the most precious passage and quoted more and printed more in cards and letters and newspapers, I guess, than any verses in the Bible. But that's declared by a lady who doesn't even know who the Redeemer is yet. And all some folks are having in this day is an easy believism say, I believe in God, yet Moab's never been gotten out of them, and they've never been purchased by the blood. We got a bunch of folks believing in God who don't believe in Jesus Christ. We got some folks who'll go along with the Naomi who won't go on with redemption by the blood. And I believe in staying with the church and redemption by the blood. I don't care how good their profession of faith sounds. And they say, your God, my God, that sounds good. But what about Boaz? See, we got some folks going to believe in God, but not in redemption by the blood. And I've got news for you. Salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. You've got to be purchased by the Redeemer, not just make a profession of faith that wherever you go, I'll go. You've got to be my God. That's easy believism. That's believing in God and forsaking Boaz. How are we doing? See, there's some folks trying to make saved or saved. Ruth saved in chapter 1. Forget the word saved. She's having to live as to what it takes to get out of Boaz. Just to believe in God is good. You must believe that He is, and He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That was Ruth. That's good. But there, that God has a name, and His name is Jesus. Who is Boaz, but she doesn't know that. Boy, it's time we as God's people stood up and declared religion is not in the Word of God alone. It's in Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. sounds such a good profession of faith, but many modern-day Moabites would make such a profession. You ever talk to someone and say, you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God, but they're still living in Moab. You don't find very many people don't believe in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Yes, sir, my mother's God. Yes, sir, my daddy's God. 
Let's try moving God. Yes, if we still make a confession of faith, but that confession of faith is not in the redeemer and not in the blood. And I say to you, you try to have a confession of faith in God without coming through the blood, you'll die in your sins and go to hell. Oh, making such a beautiful declaration and oration that sounds good. And in this day, we're swallowing it hook, line, and sinker by those who say it doesn't matter what you believe. Make room for everybody who believes in God. Forget doctrine, but there is no salvation without doctrine. If I get a little mad, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the, what the devil's doing in easy believism. He said, why are you called easy believism? Easy believism says, I believe in God, you're God, and let's all believe in God, and we're all okay. That's easy believism. You think you can get to heaven that way? You deceived yourself. If you believe that's what salvation is, you still had not met the Redeemer. She has an opportunity to return. But no, Ruth says, I'm going with you. I don't know where you're going, but I'm going. Your land will be my land. Wherever you live, I'll live. Wherever you die, I'll die. And your God's going to be my God. And that's good. I thank God that's evidence of conviction. And that's evidence of conviction against peer pressure that regardless of what others are going to do, she's going to stay with Naomi. And Naomi doesn't even know where she's leading Ruth. We do. She's leading Ruth to the Redeemer. All right. Look at number six. And that's verse number 20, uh, verse number 18. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. That's what we call conviction, evidence of conviction and expressions of conviction. That she expresses it, I will stay with you, Naomi. She was steadfastly minded to go. That's what you call a change of mind. I don't know why this, these folks are kicking repentance toward God in this day, saying you don't have to repent. It's not a question of whether you have to repent or not. You just repent when you get saved. You see, we have to do this, 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 and this. It's not a question of this, 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 and this. That when you turn from sin and Moab, you turn to Bethlehem and the Savior. That's what change of mind is. That's what repentance is. Change of mind. And Naomi said, return. She said, I'll not do it. I'm going to stay in the frame of mind I'm in. I'm steadfastly determined. I'm going with you, Naomi, no matter where you're going. That's a change of mind. So if we just quit trying to split hairs over terms, we'd be a lot better off. The Holy Ghost never leads anybody except to Boaz. <laughs> and whatever means it takes to get you out of Moab, the Holy Ghost knows. No one's ever come to the Savior unless he left his Moab. And the Holy Ghost knows what it takes to get you out of there. And I do know this. The attitude when you get to, to Boaz is I'd rather have Boaz than Moab, its country, its pleasures, its things, its people. I'd rather have Jesus than I had by my mother's house. I'd rather have Jesus than I had all the peers, the orphans, and everybody else. I've got a change of mind that I'm going with Naomi. Ruth is situated out of Moab now, according to verse number 22, and she's in Bethlehem. Oh, verse 22, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabites. And if you notice, the emphasis is still on Moabites. 
Moabitess, Moabitess, she's still a child of Moab. Her daughter-in-law with her and returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now notice in your outline, top of page number 8, that Ruth is a stranger and a foreigner in the land of praise and the house of bread. And if you know anything about the book of Ephesians, you know that one time we were strangers and foreigners to God. This is Ruth. She's a Moabitess. She's a stranger now in the Lord's land. And because she's not a child of Israel and she's not the wife of Boaz, she's still a Moabitess. When she came out of Moab, it didn't make her a child of God. And when you come out of sin, it doesn't make you a child of God. It's the redemption of Jesus Christ. Salvation is not you what you quit and give up. It's what you receive through the Redeemer. Yet we have those by worldly sorrow quitting their sins, coming out of Moab and saying, now I'm saved. No, now you're not saved until you come to the Redeemer and through his blood become a part of his family. She's still a stranger and a foreigner in the Lord's land. And according to the book of Judges, chapter 3, verse 28, the Moabites are called the enemies of God. That means Ruth, a Moabitess, is positionally the enemy of God. You say, I've never been an enemy of God. If you've never seen yourself unsaved, lost, an enemy of God, without God, without Christ, and without hope, you don't even know what salvation is yet because you've got to know what it means to be away from God and separated from God. Oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I'm no longer a stranger and a foreigner. But coming out of Moab didn't make her a citizen of Bethlehem. Coming out of Moab didn't change the covenant. She's still a foreign and an alien to the covenant. Is that right? She's still an enemy. But she's not going to be an enemy. When God changes her in that last chapter, she'll be a part of the family of God. She'll be the bride of Boaz. Glory to God. Let's look at Ruth in Boaz's field. Chapter number two. Oh, excuse me. Let me get, get, get me some water. I, I know it's going to make y'all thirsty. There's some things I still can do with one hand. I can still kiss my wife with one hand. I could do that, though, Brother Jimmy, with two, without any hands. All right, let's look at chapter number two. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now, this is no introduction to Boaz. This is no declaration of Naomi to Ruth about Boaz. This is just a declarative statement. Now, before this chapter is over, Ruth is going to learn the lesson that every sinner needs to learn. 
That's who the Redeemer is. She doesn't know Boaz. She doesn't even know about Boaz. Of course, I know she hadn't even heard about Boaz. But whether she had or hadn't, she doesn't know that he's the Redeemer. Now, here the kinsman means the next kin. Later, it's going to be Redeemer in this chapter. But let's look, first of all, at Ruth's authoritative permission. Beginning verse 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I have found grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Now, chapter number 1 deals with grief. Chapter number 2 with grace. Chapter number 3 with gratitude. And chapter number 4 with the gift. Chapter number 1 deals with brokenness. Chapter number 2 with bread. Chapter number 3 with beseeching. And chapter number 4 with the bride. Well, here you got to see the permission of Naomi. Now, this is a chapter of grace, ladies and gentlemen. Did you see what was said in verse number 2? So here's the per permission of Naomi. The plea that Ruth makes to Naomi is that she as a Moabitess might go and glean corn in a field somewhere. She's looking for somebody or somewhere in which she can find grace in someone's eyes. Now, I don't know whether you can remember when you was like that or not, but I can remember when I needed grace. I needed grace. I needed somebody to look on me with grace. And what she says is, let me go glean in somebody's field. Perhaps I can find somebody in whose sight I can find grace. Who will look at me according to grace. Not the fact that I'm a Moabite and a stranger and a foreigner. Not somebody to condemn me, but somebody to give me grace. That I that got to be somebody with grace. I'm looking for somebody with grace. In his eyes I can have grace. Woo! I great God this morning. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to find grace in somebody's eyes. I was in a mess. I was in destruction. I was ruined. I was lost. I was cut off without God, without Christ, and without hope. I was a stranger. I was an alien. I was a foreigner. And I needed grace. I needed grace. Woo! I didn't know where to find it. I was perhaps looking for it. I looked here and I looked there. There had to be somewhere that somebody could look at me and give me grace. Woo! Brother Rob, I don't know if I can handle that again or not. But this is a story of grace. This is a chapter of grace. Look down at verse number 10 where it said, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace? Woo, in thine eyes. And thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. She still knows what she is. She declares what she is. I'm still a stranger. Whew, why did you get to looking at me? She said, I'll deal with that a little bit later. Verse 13, let me find favor in thy sight. That's the word for grace. Whew. I feel sorry for these folks who think they're saved by works. Or water. Oh, glory to God. Salvation's by grace. I know that and you know that. But here Ruth was unashamed of the position of her condition required. Now, you know what she says to Naomi? She says, let me go and glean. Let me go and glean. Now that's a position given to all poor folks and strangers so that they can live. It was provided by the law. The law provided in the harvest for poor folks and strangers and foreigners 
that if they were in that country, they could come behind the maidens who bound up the shoes and could glean. It was the back end, the tail end of the harvest. It was a position and place given by God to those who declared they had nothing. When they knew they had nothing and nothing they could do, there was a place for them at the end. Now to take your place at the end of your fleshly nature takes grace. You won't exalt yourself and get up front, but not Ruth. She says, Naomi, let me go glean in the position that God's given. Let me get in the place that God declared. That's just like me. I can remember when God said I was lost without God, without Christ, and without hope. And I kept saying, no, not me, not me. And then one day I said, I'm nothing but an old gleamer, gleaner. I don't have anything. I don't deserve anything. And whatever's given to me has got to be given to me by somebody else. If I get anything, it's going to come from him that I find grace in his eyes. That's the reason why you'll never know what salvation is till you know what lostness is. Until you declare you're dead without God, without Christ, and without hope. You say, that's a terrible place. No, that's a place provided by God for all sinners. Hey, I'm not telling you it's good to be lost. It's just good to find it out. And when she found about the gleaning field, when she found the place for the porpoise, when she found a place for the strangers, she didn't argue, she didn't fuss, she didn't debate, she just went over and took her place in the position declared by God. Hey, if you're going to get grace, you've got to find the position declared by God. Yeah. Quit arguing and fussing with God. Just declare yourself lost without God, without Christ, and without hope, and you found the position that God declared every sinner to be. That's a, that's a trouble with a lot of folks. They're still trying to tell them, I believe in God, I believe in God. It's good to believe in God, but it sure is good to get out of Moab, get in Bethlehem where the house of bread is. And when you come into the church of the living God, don't come in there and declare yourself somebody stuck on a stick. Declare yourself a lost sinner, and you're in a position for God to do something with That's good. You know what that says? Ruth accepted the God-given position declared by the law. And the law shows the exceeding sinfulness of sin. The law's never saved and the law's never delivered. But the law will declare you guilty before God that every mouth may be stopped. When you get in that position, you stop declaring yourself somebody and say, I'm a nobody. You say, I have nothing, but I'll find grace in someone's eyes who will give me something. Best position you were ever in is a declared lost state when you find yourself a sinner of more bodies. It's there where God can do something for you. That the recipients of God's grace are those who have placed themselves positionally where God has required. And you say, well, now, what's her purpose? You see her plea? You see the position of Ruth? And she accepts it. 
Now I want you to see the purpose of Ruth. She's seeking for grace. She desires a person in whose eyes she can find grace. But she needs the approval of Naomi first. She asked Naomi about the position. That's the reason the Holy Ghost bears with you about the position of lostness. When he bears with you, you know you're in the right position for Boaz to see you and do something for you. For the Lord Jesus to do something for you. All right, now. Ruth needs the approval of Naomi. She desires to, to be someone subject of grace. Ruth wants to be an object of grace. The receiver of grace. The recipient of grace. In other words, she doesn't want what the law has declared her to be. She wants grace. She takes the position the law declared, but she needs grace in that position. When I found myself lost without God, I didn't need the law. The law condemned me. I needed Boaz. I needed Jesus. I needed grace. I needed undeserved favor. I didn't need him to look at my merits. I didn't need him to look at my works. I needed him to look through the eyes of undeserving favor and have pity on such a wretch as me. Undeserving, unfit, but unashamed to be in that position. I thought it was a shame to be lost until the Holy Ghost bore witness of my lostness. Then I knew Jesus had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, Ruth desires grace in someone's eyes. Now let's look at the providence of God's providence of God in Ruth's hap. Verse number three, and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, on your outline, I call that the providence of God. Now, Ruth doesn't know beforehand that it's Boaz's field to which she comes. God has a way of getting you where he wants you when you don't know where you're going. Natural circumstances may lead people to places they don't know God's in. Somebody say amen. amen. Natural circumstances may contain divine purpose. You say, what's that? Do you remember when Saul was chasing Kish, uh, his daddy's donkeys? Kish's donkeys. The donkeys were lost. And Kish sent Saul looking for them. He looked everywhere and couldn't find them. Next day, he arrived over where Samuel was. And there's a long story behind that. A little servant told him to go over where the man of God was and he'd tell you where the donkeys are. Well, just before Saul arrived, Samuel turned over to, the, to this cook. Well, actually, three days before. And told him, said, in three days, there'll be a man here. And I want you to cook him a meal and have everything ready when he comes. Samuel was going to anoint Saul as king. When Saul arrived from chasing those donkeys... Samuel said to the cook, this is the one I told you about three days ago. That's what we call you providence in natural circumstances. Natural circumstances was to lose a donkey. But providence was God hiding the donkeys. <laughs> to get solved by Samuel. <laughs> I wonder how many 
circumstances, God's hitting the donkey to get me where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, as God worked natural circumstances, closing doors and opening doors, and I didn't know God was in it. I just fussed and complained. After a while, I found God was in it. See, that little word happen means happenstance. We call it accidentally. You know, that's what the world calls it, too. You know, just accidentally stumbled in. To Ruth as the foreigner, the Moabitess damsel. The servant testifies that Ruth came with Naomi out of the country of Moab. The servant testifies as to how Ruth is in her place as a gleaner. Now this personal encounter with Boaz, with Ruth, occurs now in verse number 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here past by my maidens. Now Ruth is in the place where Boaz can make himself known to her. Boaz is unashamed to approach Ruth. Let me tell you what that means. Our Lord is unashamed in his relationship to you as a sinner. He is unashamed to approach you. He will convict you. He will talk to you. You say, what's he doing here? He's leading her and bringing her along. Now remember, you can't put lost and saved here. She's experiencing a story. We know how it operates. And all these little details, don't put them into little steps and say this step, step. No, put them into attitudes. The first attitude being, you've got to know that you're a sinner and lost coming out of Moab. And the Holy Ghost bearing witness to that to the Lord Jesus for him to have grace upon you. That's simple, isn't it? But the attitude's got to be pure. That doesn't mean it's got to be spotless, but it just means it's got to be true faith and genuine faith and real faith with an attitude of change of mind, change of conviction, and change of direction. All right, now let's look at the admonitions of Boaz. Four things. Number one, amazing grace. Number two, assuring grace. Number three, astounding grace. And number four, all-sufficient grace. Look at verse number 8. And said, Boaz unto Ruth, Here's not thou my daughter, go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field, and they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men, and they shall not touch thee? And when thou art a thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? And thou shouldest take knowledge of me, sin I am a stranger. Now first you see the instruction of Boaz. Where Boaz said, Don't place yourself in any other field. Don't leave this field. Keep your eyes on this field and follow after my people. Boy, you know, that still sounds like a church to me. If, if you can't see this, here is a place where Boaz's servants are working and operating. Boaz tells Ruth, don't go anywhere else but this field. These are my people here, and you follow them. I still say, that's what sinners need. They need to get in a church where the Lord is, where people are operating under the leadership of the Savior 
that someone as a sinner can follow. Boaz tells Ruth, don't go to some other field. I say, Brother Bob, don't go to some other church. Stay in a church where the Lord shows up. Stay in a church where you got some of Boaz's reapers. You got some of the Lord's workers. Follow after them. Stay on their trail. Don't leave that church. Don't leave those workers. Stay after them. After a while, you'll find grace. Boaz said, don't you go anywhere else. I've given orders for your protection. When you're thirsty, drink from the water that's in the vessels by young men that the young men are drawn. You say, but preacher, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, yes, it does. Sometimes the only thing the sinner can get when he's looking the situation over is what he receives from someone else. I won't tell you, I wouldn't have made it had me for somebody else's water. I had me a saucer before I got saved. Everybody else had cups. Not everybody, but all the saved folks I knew. And I got me around, I got, I got around some saved folks. Glory to God. They'd get their cups filled up, and I'd take my saucer and get me some water. Yeah. Water I didn't draw. Yeah. Mm, some of God's people drew it, and it overflowed them, and I got some of it. Yeah. That's what kept me in the same field, too. Amen. That's what kept me going, too, is I got some real water from somebody else's cup. Until yeah. mm, I got my own cup. Thank God for some real workers. Thank God for some real saints in Boaz's field laboring for him that's got some water drawn that they drew from living wells and can give some sinners a taste to where that sinner says, I'll not go anywhere. I don't want anything else except Boaz's field. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Boy, there's something real these folks have. But oh, look at this. Look at her confession of faith. The position of humility. She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground. The grace she desires, according to verse 2, when experience is amazing. Oh, verse 2, she said, that I may glean corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And then in verse number 10, she fell on her face and said, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? That thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing that I am a stranger. Oh, see the basis of the amaze that made the grace amazing was that she was a stranger. I don't know how you were when you got saved. But before I got saved, I believed in grace. But folks, you can want grace and desire grace, but you won't know how amazing grace is until you experience grace. She said, why are you looking at me? Over verse 2, she said, I want somebody to look at me. And then, now in verse 10, she said, Why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm not anybody. I'm just a stranger and a foreigner. Over here, she said, I want grace. I desire grace. I got to have grace. And over here, she's saying, Now I'm getting grace. He's looking at me. He's beholding me. Now he's treating me. Gentlemen, he loves me. I can tell she's saying, oh, he desires me. Oh, look, I'm receiving grace. Grace is amazing, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Grace is amazing. It's amazing. I'm amazed that he'd love a foreigner like me. I'm amazed he'd love a stranger. I'm amazed he'd love a Moabite like me. I'm amazed at my boy. 
then it's assuring grace. Verse 11, Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shown thee all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. In other words, he had full knowledge of Ruth's attitude and actions and relationship. And if you look at this, uh, uh, under number one, to Naomi. It hath fully been shown me all. Boaz said, I've already heard all about you. I already know all about you. <laughs> no wonder the woman at the well said, Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. I'm amazed that he knew all things about me. And Boaz said, It's been showed me. It's been showed me all about you, what you did. Unto, what was done to thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And how thou hast left thy father and mother and the land of thy nativity. I want you to look at that closely. It was borne witness to by, by Boaz to Ruth that she had literally left the land of Moab. She had literally left her kindred, the place of her nativity. See, you don't pull the wool over Jesus' eyes. He knows whether or not you've left Moab. He knows whether or not your mother's house, your husband, your wife, your peers mean more to you than him. He knows, and Boaz knew. That's, to me, is amazing. That's amazing grace. But here comes assuring grace. He says he had full knowledge as to how Ruth left her father and mother in the land of her nativity and came to the people that she didn't know heretofore. And Boaz assures her that the Lord God will give her the end result of the trust she has in him. Verse number 12. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. You say, what does that say? The verse in Hebrews I quoted earlier which said... You must first believe that God is and He's rewarded them to diligently seek Him fits right here. That He, you not only believe that He is, but He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And Boaz said, let the Lord God give you what you're trusting Him to have. And she didn't know what that was, but it was an end result. It was the, the last, the reward of her faith. And that will be redemption by the blood and gift. She doesn't know about that. She doesn't know what He means by this. But he's declaring it. Look at verse 13. Then says she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And she said, I'm not like the rest of them. I'm not like the handmaidens. She pleads for more grace in the eyes of Boaz. She de declares how Boaz had comforted her. And how friendly he'd spoken to her. But she says, I still need something else. She's still a handmaiden and she's still a stranger. Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be a servant in Boaz's field. But if all you are is according to what you do, you still don't have to get in the family. I don't want to serve in Boaz's field let that be the end result. I want to get in Boaz's family. Some of us don't know the difference in a servant and a son. You can be a servant without being a son, but you can't be a son without being a servant. 
assuring grace that she's going to get the end result. Then look at the astounding grace of verse 13. Let me find favor in thy sight. But oh, I'm not as your handmaids. In verse 14, At mealtime come thy hither, eat of bread, dip the morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed and left. Oh, here is the confession of Ruth, but it's astounding grace now. A Moabite eating with the Israelites. Ruth has given excess to Boaz's table. She sits beside the reapers, and Ruth eats from Boaz's hand. And she leaves having received what she needed at the time. Now let me tell you what that means briefly. Here is a Moabitess, a stranger and a foreigner in Boaz's field. Knows nothing of redemption, knows nothing about the Redeemer. But here is the Redeemer leading her along and bringing her along, satisfying her in what light she has to get her where she's supposed to be. You say, what does that say? That says this. If I hadn't found some real people in the church of the living God who had something real, and if the Lord hadn't given me something along the way from His Word to show me it was real, I never would have had faith. I thank Him for the times He gave me something that satisfied me in the Word of God and brought me back to His field day by day. You say, came back how long? Until I learned about the Redeemer. Isn't that astounding grace? He astounds me with the way He operates and the way He works. That he commands the young men to let fall handfuls of purpose for Ruth. To glean and rebuke her not. That's abundant provisions. To keep her coming along. Our authoritative privileges are hers according to that number two under D. Commands the young men not to reproach her. And all that accessible provisions that he gives. Now let me close. I got to close mine. About to take too much time. Look at the B. Ruth finds the giver to be her redeemer. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field into even, beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. She showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. Now she knows nothing of the Redeemer, but she's fixing to hear. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed is he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto you, one of your next kinsmen. That's the word for Redeemer. You see it again in chapter 3, verse 2. And he said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go not out with thy, his maidens, that thou go out with thy, his maidens, and he meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz and gleaned unto the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Now here, according to your outline, is the revelation by Naomi to Ruth that Boaz is her redeemer revealing evidence of grace 
A supply that bears testimony of grace. It bears knowledge of the giver. And a supply that allows Ruth to testify of Boaz. Revealing evidence of the giver. Naomi reveals to Ruth that Boaz is her redeemer. Now let me stop this morning here. And let me show you where we are positionally. Ruth has come out of Moab now. She's come into Boaz's field among the reapers. She's taken her position as a gleaner. Boaz has come into the field. His eyes have been upon her. He knows all about her. Grace has been extended in kindness. When she returns to her home, Naomi said, Ruth, this man Boaz is your redeemer. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you remember when you found that out? It's good for God to reprove you of sin. But you've also got to be reproved of righteousness. It's good to come out of Moab. But it's better to become a bride of Boaz. I say something to you ladies and gentlemen. We have people now. That you can talk about going to heaven and strolling over heaven with each other and they'll shout the roof off. But you talk about the Redeemer and they'll sit like statues. We have people who jump up and down over laboring and doing and what you're doing for God. Who don't get excited over personal testimonies of saving grace. See, drunks don't need to quit their liquor. As an end result within itself, they need a redeemer. You today that are lost here, you say, but preacher, I'll make it to heaven on my own. You can't make it without grace. And grace doesn't operate in salvation without blood. God never operates without redemption. Redemption is carried on in the last chapter by Boaz. And redemption was carried on by Jesus Christ in heaven by himself. And without the blood, there is no salvation. There is no remission. There is no forgiveness. But thanks be to God for the Holy Ghost and grace that led you to the time when he revealed who Jesus Christ was as your Redeemer.